Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you're all having a brilliant, beautiful, grounded, and amazing day so far. I am so grateful and excited to be bringing back this week's incredible guest, Mr. Rob Surston. So Rob is a dear friend and someone that I have seen evolve and grow over the last several years. We attend the same healing communities and uh, it's just been such a pleasure to watch him evolve into who he is today. And I just got done reading his book, listening to his book, might I add, I was going through a bit of a rut actually, just feeling a lot of stuckness and feeling like I couldn't move forward. And I had this like kind of weird victim-y energy to be honest and And when I listened to his book, it kind of snapped me out of it. And after I went through the book, it was so brilliant. I had to have Rob on the show. So Rob is a coach. He's a teacher. And he's somebody who's lived one hell of a life. I mean, everything from suicide to depression to, you know, just a very, very, very challenging and troubled childhood to racism. I mean, you name it, the man has experienced a lot. And In all of that, one of the things I find most empowering about Rob's story is that he took his healing journey into his own hands and made the choice to to evolve, to grow, to change, to be better, to not allow his past to dictate his future, to not allow the stories about himself to keep him trapped. I mean, he truly stepped into his own evolution and learned to partner with his ego instead of fighting it. And I think that's one of the most powerful things we talk about on this week's podcast, which is really just this, the idea of the ego and how it serves to keep, and how it tries to keep us trapped in these stories and ways of being that aren't actually serving or aren't actually conducive to the life that we want. And how do we actually change that relationship? And how do we pull ourselves out of our own ways so that we can allow joy, peace, and and happiness to actually exist? So I love this episode. I love Rob and I can't recommend his book enough. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want to go check it out, it's available on all on Amazon and he's got a website for it. And we talk all about it on this episode. If you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes, all that means that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. And I love you guys. Thank you for choosing yourself today. Thank you for making the time to listen to this podcast it means the world to me that you are choosing yourself because when you choose yourself, you give others the permission to choose themselves as well. And I'm just so grateful. So anyways, without further ado, here is the amazing Mr. Rob Sersons. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you're all having an amazing day so far. Rob, my brother, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure, my man. Oh, man. I was just talking to you before we started recording how impressed I am with the book. Like, really, like, and just for everybody listening, I mean, I was having a pretty shitty day when I started listening to Rob's book. And when I went through the first few chapters, it snapped me out of it. Like, And I was actually really surprised, to be honest, like not that like you have the personality of somebody who would snap me out of something like like I expect that. Right. But like I was surprised at how quickly I realized that I was actually feeding into my own victim story. I was feeding I mean, I was having a really hard day. I was having a lot of difficulty and all I kept feeding into was how hard it was, how I don't deserve that, how 
I should be here already. Yeah, all these voices in my head. And the second I started listening to your book, it's when it kind of snapped it back into focus. And and it and it made it brought it into like strong awareness of how I was feeding into that energy. And it was amazing once I realized it how quickly I could shift out of it. And so I'd love to maybe start there around this idea of a victim. Can you can you describe what is, I guess, a victim in the in the the definition that I think we're going to be talking about today? Right. So for me, at least, the victim is everything that you feel like everything is happening to you. It's all external, right? The situation, where you're at, and it's it's pretty much without any accountability or responsibility, right? There's things that happen, as we all know, that are outside of our power, outside of our control all the time. There's traumatic events that happen. But how we choose to respond and how long we choose to stay there dictates whether or not we're going to fall into the victim or we're going to fall into really empowering ourselves and taking the wisdom of this situation, right? When shit happens automatically, we don't go into, oh, what can I learn from this? Obviously, we get frustrated. We're going to respond with anger, frustration, all the things. But once we allow the dust to settle a little bit, that's really a very poignant time in our life if we're going to allow this to keep us there or we're going to move from it. And unfortunately, from my past and my victimization, I stayed, like I stated in the book many times, I stayed in the victim role way too long. Yeah. Can you give some context as to why you felt like you deserved to be? Like, I think that was one of the more profound kind of realizations that you shared in the book, really around like, I mean, you've had a pretty difficult upbringing past, if I had to say, right? Like, and you have every reason to actually feel that like, you know, the world is against me. And so I think I would love to maybe even paint that picture. Like, you know, can you paint the picture of kind of how you were raised or your story in a nutshell, but then why that led you to believe that you were entitled to a certain set of perspectives or anything like that? Like, I think that would really paint the picture of like why we think that way and why we have these mindsets to begin with. Right. I mean, a lot, a lot of it came from young childhood indoctrination, right? I was an abandoned baby, really born into chaos the first few months of my life. My mother would leave me and my four-year-old sister for days at a time, then bring a strange men home. And following that would come sexual abuse and rape and a whole bunch of things just in the first few months. And so that's what my nervous system recorded. And the only reason I know that is because I was adopted, luckily, with my sister. And through her healing journey, a lot of memories are coming back. And so I was adopted by a beautiful family but unfortunately in a very one-sided racist community, right? And I wasn't accepted. And so I was always beaten and told that I was not good enough, wide enough, all the things over and over again. And unfortunately at such a young age, we're not taught what is true and what is false, right? We believe pretty much everything that we're, that we're told. We're kind of naive and innocent. And unfortunately I indoctrinated all those beliefs for a very long time, all the way up up into, you know, my adulthood, adolescence, all the way that I wasn't good enough, you know, smart enough, white enough. And so unfortunately, that carried around a very pessimistic upbringing, right, of how I looked on life. And I was very angry. I didn't know what to do with my anger. I didn't know what to do with my unworthiness. And I was also part of a religion that taught a very, a lot of guilt and shame as well, right? So we get to this place where I have all these traumatic series of events replaying over and over again. And that's all I know, right? I don't know how to process them. I don't know how to channel this energy or do anything other than play sports, which is where the only place I found solace. But as soon as I stepped off the corner of the field, it was back in the chaos, right? And so for me, all I knew is that the world was against me. I don't belong and I'm not good enough. And so that's how I indoctrinated at such a young age, the victim mentality. Yeah. And I guess in this instance, it's this idea that like, man, I had a really tough upbringing. People should be this to me, or I had this set of challenges. I deserve to be here instead. Like, and I think that's the language that even I use in my own life. There's even if I am extraordinarily blessed, I have aspects of me that I'm like, 
oh man, like this can't be happening to me. This shouldn't be happening to me. And it's so easy to get into that space. Why do you think it's so easy to be there? And why does, why do our minds actually, or maybe the ego, like what, why do our egos choose to actually keep us there unconsciously instead of putting us in a more empowering space? Well, when you don't have awareness and you don't have guidance and you don't know, that's all you're going to know, right? And so for me, what kept me there so long and that anger and that frustration was seeing all the kids around me have the things I wanted, being accepted, right? And didn't come from like looking different, right? And so there was automatic, like a full acceptance to everyone around me. And then I grew up in a very wealthy, you know, neighborhood. And, but I wasn't one of the wealthy family. I was like the poor kid you see on TV was surrounded by rich kids, right? And so all, it, it really cut into like my scarcity belief system as well. Like, well, everyone else can have those things, but it doesn't mean that I can. It's because I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not white enough. Like those are the stories that played in my head. And then when you're literally getting those things beat into your head, day in and day out, you start to believe them, right? And so just getting to that point of understanding like, okay, I am here simply because I didn't have any guidance or I didn't know where else to go. That's why I stayed there. And with the ego, it makes you very angry. It makes you very jealous. It makes you very envious, right? And so you sit there until greater awareness comes. And unfortunately, my, my greater awareness really didn't come until I was 35 and I just turned 40. So we're talking like there's only five years out of my life where I've created awareness around my victim, around my healing, and around my ego. So what did that greater awareness look like? Was it like when you started actually realizing and kind of disassociating from those beliefs? Or was it in the form of a mentor or a friend or somebody like kind of pulling you up? Like, how did you actually get to that space of greater awareness so that you can begin to make those shifts? Right. As soon as I set the intention, then I'm like, there's got to be another way to live, first and foremost. And it was right after I almost took my own life, right, where I put my gun down. I'm like, okay, like, how can I actually find joy? How can I actually find purpose rather than just in survival mode 24-7? And so it started off with just doing deep dive and research, YouTube, like finding influencers out there that, you know, align with what you're doing, right? Researching, reading books. Because at first, I didn't didn't have the money to go out there and find mentorship. I didn't have the money for coaches. And, you know, for the longest time, I was actually helped and sponsored in plant medicine, which also played a huge role, right? Plant medicine has probably played the biggest role of everything to really create the greater awareness and to really help me put the ego to the side, I'm like, okay, there is different ways. And that's the piece that I think there's tools, right? Like whether it's plant medicine or another mentor or books or everything. But I think it all starts with the decision that or the awareness that you need support or you need to do something different. And I think that alone is like a sense of surrender to the ego, right? Because I think the ego likes to believe that we're alone and that Nobody wants to help us. And it's almost like it plays into that victim story. Like, so how did you actually break out of that? So for me, you don't know what you don't know, right? And so calling in mentors and finding people and even friends and just community to call you on the stuff that you can't see, stuff that you think is maybe actually healthy or it's such a part of your identity that you can't let go And then you have people that have been on this journey or on the current journey with you and calling out and being simply like, hey, like that's actually not serving for you. And let me show you why, right? And it's also being in a humble enough place to actually hear what they have to say. Because our ego is created in such a place where it protects us. It comes up as a protection mechanism, right? Whether it's serving or not, that's what my ego did. It strictly protect me, but it kept me solidified in this place of non-evolution over and over again. So I had to get to this place where I'm like, okay, like I'm ready to hear things that may cut and hurt a little bit. I'm ready to ask for more help. And I'm ready to take this help on and actually put it in into practice day in and day out. But you have to find people and you have to be willing to be in the place where you're going to hear the, you know, the soft critiques or the hard critiques that are going to shift you and get into an operating system that actually serves you so much greater. If you had to give advice to somebody who's having a really hard time right now, seeing their faults, who's having a really hard time right now, 
like admitting that they may have not been perfect or like how would you inspire or encourage somebody to let down their walls or or how would you communicate with somebody who's having a really hard time getting feedback? Right. That is a great question. And you have to be very methodical. Every, every person is different. And there's a lot of people that are going to be stuck in their ways for their entire life. I know you know some, I know, I know some that, you know, I guess the, the term given is asshole, like people that will ask, but that don't want to hear it. Right. And so you exert all this energy telling them, but it really comes down to if you really want to make the shift and you really want to make the move, you're going to create the intention in the space to have it and to create it. And even though you didn't ask me this, but this is a perfect example when it comes down to self-love, right? When it comes down to self-love, there's such a destinational happiness or daydream, I call it, right? Where people will tell themselves, if, when, and then. If I do this, when I do this, then I'll be happy. Then I'll give myself permission to love myself. And it's usually always tied to a place of perfection. Like it's subconscious perfection. If I do this perfectly, if I gain this promotion, if I make this much money, if I get this result, then I'll be good enough for me because then I'll be good enough for whoever surrounds me as well. But what we find is when people actually accomplish the thing or they get the resolution they're hoping for, they don't shift and they don't make any real conscious change to what is self-love. But it really comes down to self-love you are welcome and you have permission to love yourself fully and greatly right here and now. The only thing stopping you usually are the bullshit belief systems you have running in your head that you've given all your energy to believe day in and day out. Really, because they're all tied to like some transactional effort. If I do this, then I'll receive this and I'll love myself more. But in reality, self-love comes down to loving everything about you, the imperfections, the successes, the failures, the past mistakes, all of it. You actually have permission right now and you always have, but you have to bring that into your 3D reality and like make a conscious effort to do so. You know, it's, it's reminding me of one of the, one of my favorite things that I actually love about you the most, which is like, just whenever I'm around you, I, I, I truly actually see you choose yourself. Like I really do. I mean, it's like, I remember there's a, I think we were at like a retreat together and I remembered like coming up to you and having a conversation and you're like, I think I'm ready for bed now. And like, you like, you like went early. It was like 8 PM. Everyone around you was like not doing that. And you, and you chose yourself in that way. And I think that comes back to you checking in with you and not making that love conditional, right? It's not about making me happy. It wasn't about making anyone around you happy. It was about filling up your own cup so that you can actually come back and serve and be nourished and give and, and be, you know, a part of, of this greater unfolding, whatever it is, right? Like we're all here to live and experience life and have a collection of experiences. And, you know, we're here to be with other people. And I personally feel like at least in my journey, self-love has been like the North star, like every experience that pushes me to love myself more actually just feels like the right thing to do. It's funny how our ego will hold on to the old stories to not allow us to fully step into that, right? And we get to this place of comparison as well, where we're like, well, when I have what that person has, or when my body looks like that, or this and that, whatever story or whatever trauma the stories are created for us, that's what we're paying so much energy to. And then we're wondering like, okay, why don't I love myself? It's really hard for some of us to get to a place where we don't look in things in such absolutes right? Where I have to have all the things in order to have this, right? And back and forth. And so it's really just getting to a place like, can I challenge why I don't have self-love? What does that challenge look like? You know, what is that question? Like, okay, why don't I have full self-love? What are the things? And one of the hardest things I give my clients, you know, homework assignments is I challenge them why they don't fully love themselves. I'm like, I'm going to give you this homework. I want you to come back and tell me, why you don't find yourself the most beautiful soul in the world, why you don't find yourself as, you know, the capacity to fully love who you are right here and now. And the key is you have to bring me back hard, substantial evidence so you and I can talk about why. And 99 times out of 100, they can never really come back with anything very strong or poignant as to why they cannot. But there's all, always this overwhelming feeling 
of ego that they, they just can't. I don't have a reason why, they just can't. And so we deep dive into that a little bit more. But it really comes down to the stories that you, that you continue to pour energy to and that you continually believe without actually challenging. That's so, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I think that's actually the gift of awareness right? Like that's the biggest gift you can give yourself. Like so many things are on autopilot. I'm so glad you actually caught yourself being like, I'm sorry, I didn't, I shouldn't say never. That actual awareness right there is like, all right, when I say always, or I'm always this way, you always do this, or I never get this. I'm the one that always gets left behind. Like the always is and the nevers have this like ring to them that aren't actually true. And like, I find at least for, for myself, like when when I can catch myself going into this like this loop, it changes the paradigm. I remembered, in fact, like I was back, I went home for Christmas and, you know, my girlfriend Gina, she came home with me for Christmas. And, you know, when I go home generally, like, you know, me, like I get into my habits and my patterns and I'm in this like flow of constantly talking a certain way or being a certain way or communicating a certain way with my family. And I went into this like loop of, of this conversation with my dad and I, and I felt myself go back to old patterns. And like in my mind, I was like, oh, he always does this. Da, 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 da. And she was just like this, like from left field out of nowhere, kind of like this complete wrecking ball. Like, do you realize what you're doing in this situation to create the circumstances that exist? But it was like such a, a dagger from like it pulled me out and then it led to probably a month of the most like powerful introspection I think I've ever had. But it was like it's funny how like we get into these loops of just stuck We're just we're playing out our stories just constantly. And it's like we're feeding this cheap reality show, like our own cheap reality shows about how like we're not good enough or how our parents weren't good enough or da 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 or like it's just it's so it's got that energy to it do you know what i mean like no i love that i mean i mean it's perfect like once someone can and i mean that's why it's so important to surround ourselves with the right people and i know we're not even talking about that topic but i, I believe it's very important to bring up like if we're not surrounded by a partner or friendships or associates that aren't here to help us up level and us down actually what are we doing right and so I feel like that's something I would love this audience to realize as well is really be introspective and really check themselves on who they're surrounding themselves with. Cause we can't, we don't know what we don't know. We can't see what we can. And when habits have been embedded in us since childhood for so long, when we're operating on that same system, we're never going to evolve. We can't evolve. Right. And so it's just getting to the place. And I know I use the absolute again, but it's still getting to the place of, Chances are very unlikely that you're going to evolve into the person you're meant to be and can be if you don't have other people supporting you along that journey. And it's important to have people from a wide variety of perspectives. Like, at least for myself, like that, that example right there, you know, I've gone home hundreds of times, right? But I'm always home with my brother and my brother's in the same shit with me. Like, you know, like he's got the same triggers. And so like when we're in it together, we both are just like, yeah, no, no, no. like our stories and our victim. But then you have somebody completely different who doesn't have that same upbringing, who comes from a different set of circumstances, different lifestyle and able to see a completely different picture. And it was hard. And, and this is the important piece, I think, that I took away from that experience. Like that was very hard for me to hear. And I was very resistant. I was getting angry at Gina. I was like, you don't get it. You don't know how I was raised. You don't know. You don't, you don't know. I was just this anger at her, but I was really just angry at myself. <laughs> and, and I think it's tough. And the thing that allowed me to get out of that was actually just forgiveness. When I realized that I was acting in a way that was not in alignment with how I want to be or how it wasn't serving the people I love and how I was being hurtful or how I was saying mean things. Like I remember dropping in tears and it was like, I have to forgive myself. Like it was, that was, that was the hard part. And I think that's a, so can you talk about self-forgiveness? I guess, you know, like in the realms of self-love, like, you know, I think that's a, that's something that I certainly have struggled with in the past. And I'm sure people listening to, you know, it's one thing to forgive another, but it's another thing to 
forgive yourself. Yeah. And it goes back to the whole thing of like my book, Ego of the Warrior. And it's, it's, I held on to so much shame and guilt and with religious upbringing that compounded that a hundredfold where I couldn't let go. Right? I couldn't let go. And with that came, well, I can't let go because I'm guilty of all these things. I carry the shame with it. And therefore I'm not deserving of any of the things I would love in life. Any of the things I see my friends or anyone else that they're deserving of, but I create the story that I'm not deserving of those things. Right. And so it's again challenging the belief system. Why can't you forgive yourself? Right. And it's really asking yourself situation by situation that's occurred in your past of what you're still holding on to. Right. There's that place where I find a lot with my clients where it's not just they refuse to forgive themselves, but they actually don't know what to attach or bring into their identity if they were to forgive themselves. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's getting to that, just letting that go. And then there's so much fear of the unknown because it's attached so much to their identity. Wow. Can you unpack that a little bit? Cause I think what you said was really profound. So like there's this fear of now, I just want to repeat it and tell me if I'm missing. It's like there's resistance to forgiving because there's actually a fear. If you didn't hold on to this anger, and if you didn't forgive, like, who would you be? Right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. For the longest time, my story, even well into like, you know, the healing work that I've done, where I had to be called out by someone from our community, where I kept writing the story that, oh, no, I'm a very angry person. I'm angry. I'm angry. They're like, you're not angry. I'm like, no, I'm really angry. And I'm like, but I've learned to channel it better. I just use it in my workouts. I use it in rugby all the things. And they're like, no, Rob, you're not an angry person. You have anger, but at the same time, you're not an angry person. And they continue to say like, you still have pain and that's okay. That just shows you the data you still need to heal. But the point of the matter is, it's just like, you've tied so much Rob into this identity of anger. Cause maybe you've been told you're an angry person in your, in your life before. So you've actually attached yourself to it. And the very next question is who would you be without your anger? And then it put me in a deep process like, oh, I don't know. Because in my eyes at that time, like anger sounded very masculine and powerful and goal-driven and all the things. But another, another like, you know, sledgehammer that someone brought in that same conversation is like, Rob, when you play rugby and you play football, and again, this isn't for everyone, this is just for me personally, are you angry? And I'm like, no, I don't play angry because if I play angry, it gets in my way. And I know a lot of athletes play great playing angry. I don't, right? And they said, okay, well, when do you play the best? I'm like, when I'm just let loose and I'm just present. They're like, exactly. You're not angry. I'm like, okay, I got it. That's true. That was a story I tied myself up to. And so it was now recreating and letting go like, and stepping into that place of the unknown who was robbed without his anger, right? Who was robbed without this identity that he's built himself on for so long. And what can he now evolve into, right? So there's always attachments because we find comfort in uncomfortable things. We find comfort in the darkness. We find comfort in the depression, in the sadness. Because for those that suffer or that have suffered from great depression and situations like that, we actually find comfort going back to the darkness, not willing to enjoy anything because the joy is only temporary, but the darkness is always there. And so people that deal with depression, deal with extreme darkness, suicidal ideation, that is something that, you know, is left to unpack and to look at and be like, okay, but who am I without this darkness? Who am I without this extreme sadness and depression all the time? I don't know who I am without that. And so a lot of people will halt themselves from moving forward in order to stay comfortable in uncomfortable. Mm, and how do you dude this is so good I, i'm so glad you brought that up because i think there's so many people who stay angry in relationships i think there's so many people who stay bitter who stay attached to addiction to the bottle to i mean you name it i mean there's so many like identities that we make about ourselves and we keep ourselves trapped there because we're so afraid of 
of of the unknown and it's actually just that it's it's not that we're afraid of of ourselves or what other people it's actually just that who would i like what would my purpose be it's like it's almost like ha- knowing your identity is a piece of purpose it's like knowing who you are is a piece of this human experience and and you're letting go of who you are so can you walk me through the next step so you had that anchor right but like, I guess in even more ways, like how have you just repeatedly either, whether it's how you teach your clients or yourself, like once you let go, what do you fill it up with? Like, how do you actually know where to look or where to navigate or how do you know what the next step is? Right. So that's where the intuition and self-trust begin to be made, right? Because obviously a lot of people, we get to this place where we don't trust ourselves where we've never had self-trust, where we don't even understand what intuition is, what that guidance, what that gut feeling is, right? And so it's also, I mean, we could talk about this for hours and days, but it's getting to that place where recognizing and connecting the mind with the body, right? With, you know, we know a lot of people in the community that are all mind. We know a lot of people within our community that are body and both, right? But connecting the two is where we step into the full power. Right, because the mind will create some very heinous, scary stories, and so we don't do things, or we do do things, just based on fear and based on whatever the mind creates. But if we can get to a place and and really say to ourselves, like, how does that feel? How does that actually feel? And that's what I say to all my clients. I rarely ever say anything. What do you think? I say, how does that feel? And it's funny how many clients I'll say that to. And for the first couple of weeks of our coaching, they're like, I don't even know what that means. I'm like, thank you. Now let's look at that, right? And there's certain situations and feelings that we just need to become cognizant that are happening in our body because our, our body is literally telling us what direction to go, what to choose, how to move forward. But we've ignored it for so long that it's literally cut off from our, from our neck down, right? So getting to that place where, okay, moving forward, into the unknown, how does it actually feel? Well, that feels good. And, and you make that decision, you make that choice, and you realize it was a good sound decision. Oh, I trust myself a little bit more. And then you continue to do that. You practice that day in, day out, really taking time to concentrate on your breath and feel it in your body. How does that feel? Oh, that feels great. And then you continue to move forward, greater self-trust, and then your intuition starts to build with it. Oh, man, so good. And and I'm realizing most people don't even give themselves a chance to practice that because they automatically write it off. (laughs) They automatically, it's like, oh, I'm not even going to try that because I just know it's not going to work for me. Like, that's the ego then keeping them stuck back in that. It's like the ego is trying to find every single reason for you to be stuck. It's just keeping you. And that's why it's so important to like, it's like, this is... It's like you're retraining your nervous system. You're you're bringing it back into the body and the breath. And I, and I'm just so encouraged and inspired when like this is like the hardest work to do, right? Like I'm always just inspired by people who are even admitting, hey, I don't know what that feels like. That admission is the first step to actually healing and going beyond the ego, right? Like it's actually admitting that I don't know. Yep, I don't know. It's huge. And the, and the other side of the coin is, hey, I don't know, and asking for help, right? There's so many of us that are so afraid to actually just ask for help. Even people that we know our entire life and that we trust, we're terrified to ask for help because the ego doesn't want us to appear weak. It doesn't want us to appear less than. And so all we, we have awareness around where we need help, but we just hold from asking. And then what it does, it's just like, okay, our growth is inhibited until we can humble ourselves enough to know that everybody needs help. Everywhere, especially in the healing community, everyone's gotten to where they've gotten by actually asking for help, right? And what I love about our healing community is there's that place where I always tell everyone before we start, it's just like, it actually teaches you in this community to ask for help. Because we'll, we'll sit there and we'll spin and we'll sit by ourselves and not know really which way to go, up or down, left or right, and all the things. And we constantly think, well, I have to figure it out. I have to figure it out. And in reality, it's no. If you don't know, ask for the support you need, right? It changes the game entirely. 
you know, giving and receiving is a beautiful two-sided loop, right? Like, I mean, I, I, I remember a few years ago, a mentor of mine really inspired the giving and the receiving aspect by reminding me that, Raj, how do you feel when you give? And I was like, I feel great. And then he's like, why would you be denying a friend the opportunity to feel that way? Right. And it's right. It's like, you know, and, and I think that comes back to, and that's the awareness piece too. Like that's another piece. It's like, oh, I, I always want to give. I always want to give. I always want to give. But the second you're aware of the opposite, you can now make different choices. How do you continue sort of like developing awareness of your, your patterns, yourself, your, your ego? Like, cause you said to yourself, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And a lot of times like there's this giant blind spot, but how do you, like, what practices do you have or, or systems do you follow to sort of like bring your ego into conscious awareness? Well, first and foremost, I have a very lovely direct partner. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that, right, that if something comes to the surface, I'm going to be the first. <laughs> so there's the second thing is the community and the friends I've surrounded myself with. Right. Nothing goes unchecked. Right. And it's never out of harshness or cruelty. It's like, hey, let's look at this over here. Right. And I've been lucky enough to have that. I didn't always have that. And the next thing is, it's something I'm constantly searching. Right. How can I create greater awareness? Because as a coach, I can't just stop here. I can't. People are investing a lot of money in me and my work and what I do. And so it's just like there's that motivation as well where I constantly need to be in, be evolving. I constantly need to be create, gaining greater awareness in what I do, right? And so I'm always researching. I'm always looking at things. If I'm on, on social media, it's pages and people that are inspiring me and creating, you know, different things for me to look at, reframes, all the things. And so that's my constant motivation day in, day out. But being surrounded by the right people and then having the intention to continue to evolve. I think that intention is so valuable, right? Because I think I'm learning at least over the last few years, like there's not really an end destination we're trying to get to by going inward or looking at ourselves. Like there's quality of life that we'd like to improve, but it's not necessarily like a goal. It's more of a lifestyle. It's like this lifestyle of awareness. It's a lifestyle. It's not a short sprint. And, And I think that's one of the, one of the the overarching sort of ideas is that, you know, you're not like, I don't know if I'll ever have solved the ego thing. Like, I just don't think I ever will. I just don't, you know, like I, I can beat at it. I can chip away at it. And it's a process. And it's something that I think I'm learning to appreciate even now when I have flare ups or when I get triggered or when I get, it's like, I'm now finally getting to the point where I'm, I'm appreciating the opportunity to look at something. Right. It's interesting you bring that up because, you know, I was with a men's retreat this last week and one of the men's that his mentor brought up and told him, you know, we, we hear all the time, we need to kill the ego. We need to kill the ego. He's like, that's just, it's not possible. Right. But what I, he's like, what I learned is I want to partner with you. How can I better evolve with my ego? Right. Rather than me trying to kill it or it overriding me, how can I learn to partner with me? Right. And so when it comes to this healing journey, it is a journey and it's never ending, you know, during this life. It's never ending. I, I'm not looking for a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not looking for a goalpost to finally get to. It's never ending. But what I do know is I still have pain. I still have trauma. Right. And with pain and trauma, my lens is shortened. Right. In certain aspects with certain triggers and certain things come up. And that's when my ego actually has power over that's when the trauma has pain because trauma is pretty much when you react in a certain way, you're not in shape. So how can I create greater choice by constantly evolving with the intention to do so? Right. And that's why it's a constant mar- marathon all the time. So I can lighten this backpack of trauma a little bit more each day. I can gain greater awareness around it. That's not to say I'm not going to be visited by more traumatic situations and frustrating events, but I'll be better equipped how to deal with them rather than the- a sense of paralysis within me where I can no longer move forward or experience joy or experience, you know, whatever feelings I need to. And that's why it's so important to understand first, it's a never ending marathon and it's something to partner with and to constantly learn. So you have a greater set of tools 
to constantly. Yeah, because if you're trying to fight the ego all the time, then you're never loving yourself. <laughs> never. And you're held in this place of shame and guilt all the time. It's, it's a it's a loop. <laughs> it's this giant loop that we like, it's the thing like we want to try and be better. Like I remember when I first got started down the personal development path, like I was constantly trying to improve. In fact, so much of my investments in personal development were all around like, I think there was a subconscious belief that I wasn't enough as I am. Therefore I have to continue being better. And at some point my edge came the other way. It's like, no, actually Raj, what if you did not invest in yourself? What if you just loved all your flaws? And that was the most uncomfortable experience I think I've had on this journey. And it was one of the most valuable teachings because it made me realize that I'm not to be fixed. I am to be integrated. And there are parts of me that have protective mechanisms, but they're not the enemy. They are protecting me. They're trying to teach me something. They're trying to show me a blind spot. They're trying to bring me a, bring greater awareness to something that is outdated or something that just isn't in alignment. But that doesn't mean it didn't serve a purpose at one point in my life. When I was five, it probably served a really, really, really strong purpose. But Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's just getting to a place. It's just like accepting everything that you are now. There's nothing but stories in front of there. Nothing but stories as to why you cannot. But when it comes down to it, you actually really can. Actually really can. And it's not going to be, oh, I'm going to wake up tomorrow with self-love. It's going to be an evolution. It's going to take time, right? But it's also being that place where you can be gentle with yourself and be patient with yourself as you like re-engineer these old stories and patterns, right? We look at babies, newborn babies, learning to walk or puppies or whatever, you know, cute innocent thing is, we're never shaming them. We're never beating them up because they don't know how to walk. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to, you know, put things together right away. But for some reason, we turn that patience and love and unconditional love from them, and then we turn it off when it comes to us, right? We're thinking we're, we're know-all, that we should be perfect in every aspect. It's the idea of perfection that's getting in our way. There's a great quote. I don't remember who said this, um, but I remember seeing it a while back on like a goal cast video or something like that. And it was like, treat yourself like someone you love. Like if you actually, or there's, uh, there's just so many versions of that quote, right? Like, I don't know if that was the exact one, but that idea of, you know, if, if you were someone you love, how would you be communicating with yourself? Like, how would you be communicating? And I remember like, Actually, a friend of mine called me out on this a while back. I don't remember who it was. I need to, I need to remember because this was really funny. Like I was like in this mode of me talking a lot of shit about myself. And I was just like, I was just beating myself up for making a mistake. And my friend was just like, Raj, quit talking about my friend that way. And it just like, and it, and it just smacked me. I started cracking up because like it just made me like realize how I was speaking to myself. But it's amazing how others can actually observe your own sort of negative critic, like just the self-talk, even though we're so blind to it. And I think, and I, and I loved that this, this podcast, like we, we focus so much on community and having mirrors and asking for help for those that are listening that may not have that community near them, right. That may not actually have the, that, that support system nearby. Like how would you encourage them to begin either creating community, experiencing more intimacy in that way, or asking for help? Right. So as you know, as, as well as I do, there's hundreds and hundreds of communities out there, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't mean there's one that fits all, but first and foremost, see what's around you. See what opportunities you have around you. Second is social media. Use the platforms to actually be advantageous to your healing journey. Right. There's a lot of people out there with the same journey, with the same, you know, looking for the same community as you. And so it's getting out there, asking people, finding people in your same area. Right. Now, when it comes down, I'm not going to ask for help just to nobody. Right. And this comes back down to the self-trust thing. Right. It's getting to a place where if you're making connections and friends with people and you're like, oh, I can actually trust them, then you can ask for help. Right? Because on the dark side of the healing journey, there is 
a part of the of all these communities that are very ego driven with people who aren't properly equipped or properly prepared to help you out in the destination you need to go right and it's very easy for them to project their feelings and their trauma on you and you're in such an innocent place where you just take it all in and take it all in right so that's the side of the coin but it's also doing your research right doing your own research asking around and becoming vulnerable to ask for the help and asking for the new community you're searching for right i never thought i would find the community i found in a million years i always thought i was going to be surrounded by athletes right that's all i knew growing up and now i'm surrounded by very few or any athletes whatsoever if that makes sense all because i out there and i found it was more aligned with people that actually weren't athletes well vulnerability is such an important piece right because there that takes an enormous amount of courage and i think in that journey of vulnerability and one thing i have found for myself when i open up and am vulnerable it creates this amazing opportunity to heal in that moment which may lead to unlimited upside right like there like yes there could be this thing where somebody listens to you and hurts you or says something mean or you know something like that sure and all those experiences like on the other edge of vulnerability it's actually for you like you're allowing yourself to be seen you're allowing yourself to ask for support and i love the reminder of social media right like i mean at the end of the day, like we live in this age where we've never been more connected. There are people who are literally pouring countless hours, you being one of them, really, truly, like pouring energy and support and positivity and insights through social media for free, for nothing, right? Like, I mean, it's just out of the goodness of heart, like things are coming through. And so I think that's such an important reminder to like, you know, really get involved and really seek what you're looking for. And I think you'd be surprised what you find. And I found for myself, like almost all of my best friends now I made on the internet, (laughs) like almost all of them, like I met through some type of a entrepreneur community or through some type of a fitness community or some type of a relation or a spiritual community or healing community. I mean, like they all came from me knowing what I needed, or at least being curious enough to say, all right, what do I need? Going online, looking for that, finding people that were similar to me, getting involved, and then allowing those relationships to then lead to the next layer of relationship and community and so on and so forth. And uh, Rob, I just love you, man. I one, I am just, I said this to you earlier, but I, I love the book. I'm so grateful that you poured yourself into it. And I'm so grateful that it's just such an honor to watch to like grow alongside you. Like, I just really appreciate that a lot. Like I I can feel the difference. I actually think we might've been at the same. I remembered we were, we were at a, 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 like just a a healing experience where you were, you were opening up about your anger. I actually remember you talking about your anger and it's amazing to hear now, like just where you're at and how you've shifted that story. And I think that was, you know, less than a year ago, I think like, I mean, it's pretty amazing what can change when, when we, when we choose to go into the aspects of ourselves that we are resisting. And when we choose to, you know, partner with the ego instead of, instead of fighting against it. And I'm just really grateful that you're pouring so much of yourself into this work and your communities and, and, uh, and and I'm just really grateful that I get to know you, man. Yeah. You was and it's been an honor. I truly cherish our friendship. And when we get to see each other in person, you know, I love you dearly, man. Oh, I love you too, bro. I love you too. Well, the book is available everywhere. Um, so it's, you can like, listen to it, audiobook. You can download it. You can, you can buy the hard copy, everything on Amazon. Yep. Amazon or go to my website. It's Ego of the Warrior. Or you can just go to my website, uh, robsterstens.com. And it's also on the links on my social media as well. Cool. And you're at Rob Sersons. Is that your cool? All right, cool guys. Well, I'll be tagging Rob as well on social. And if anything resonated on this episode, please reach out to both of us, tag us. We'd love to hear from you, brother. I got one last question for you in the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Well, 
it's funny, my, my answer is going to shift from what it was last year when I was on the show. Um, I've actually really, I've always been cold plunging since college, right? Getting into ice bath. And what I found now is it's become such a place of meditation and slowing things down. I, I cold plunge, you know, I'm going to go jump in the cold plunge right after this. It's outside and it's snowing right now. And it, I usually stay anywhere from 11 to 15 minutes, right? And it gives me a place to slow my mind down because I'm an overthinker for sure and really feel into gratitude, right? And so right now, that is my place of staying grounded and getting, and it's all wonders for my nervous system and all those other places, my muscles and Holy shit, dude, you're so intense. <laughs> <laughs> that's a boss move man like i can't like yeah mad respect i haven't been able to befriend the cold as well as you have yet but i imagine maybe maybe one day i don't know we'll see (laughs) all right well thanks again brother it's so great to have you here and everybody that is a wrap for this week's episode of stay grounded i'm your host raj this is your friend rob and for boss stay grounded we'll chat soon Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.